0: Welcome to the Habits of Leadership podcast brought to you by Cut Through Coaching, helping leaders and their teams to thrive professionally and personally.
1: Welcome to the Habits of Leadership episode 12 and in this episode we are going to open up the podcast to questions from our listening community and as always for our Q&A episodes I am joined by my colleague here at Cut Through Coaching, Mr. Tim Perkins.
0: Hello Dan, how are you today?
1: I'm very well mate, very well. It's been a while since you've been on the podcast. What's some of the uh, things you've been up to?
0: Well I've been busy, been really busy actually and um, a Mm. few months ago now I had a fantastic conversation with the very energetic Eddie Wu uh, which will actually be appearing in the next episode of our podcast talking to him about all matters education and mathematics and uh, the way that he really engages his students. Been doing a lot of work on growth mindsets with uh, both school groups and with other groups of late and it's uh, really encouraging to see that so many people are really very interested in how they can develop their own perseverance and and work towards goals uh, with a sense, a genuine sense that um, our traits aren't fixed and that we can grow them. And more recently you and I have been working together on developing uh, some work for elite sports coaches, specifically around the idea of engagement and motivation and using the great work around self-determination theory. Mm. So that's been
1: fun for us. Yeah, it has. And, of course, uh, reflecting on some of the um, conversation that uh, Dan Pink and I had uh, back on, I think, episode nine of of, of the podcast. So, look, uh, today is a uh, Q&A session. We've uh, asked our listening community and we've asked the uh, people who are – part of our current cohort on the Habits of Leadership uh, program to uh, get in touch and share with us some of the questions that they have. Um, I'll tell you now, we've certainly got more questions than uh, we can possibly uh, get to in this uh, episode. So we've tried to kind of almost merge a few of the questions. So we cover off on some topics and we'll also hold a few over um, for future episodes and perhaps there's some which we'll actually a question we might actually warrant a, an episode in its in its own right. But um, Tim, do you want to kick us off with with the first question?
0: Yes. So the first question I'm going to deal with today is one from Maureen. Thank you, Maureen. And your question is: What advice do you give to leaders who have a tendency to be people pleasers? Now, not everybody has that boss. Some <laughs> have the complete opposite, in fact. But uh, in relation to leaders who have that tendency, Dan, to be t- people pleasers, what what are some of your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think as you said there, the um, the, the who who is the people pleaser a problem for, and um, it's not usually the people, I guess, in the short term, who the people uh, the leaders are leading. So, in in a lot of the work that we do with with leaders in particular, what we often recognise and what the, one of the common comments is that you know we tend to be really busy doing other people's work we tend to be making sure we tend to be holding people to account more than perhaps we feel we should be but we do it because we want to you know make sure that things are running smoothly and we're looked upon in a good light Uh, we want to uh, make sure you know that that all the ducks are in a row and and when people come to ask us for help we, we help them straight away and and, and what this ends up doing, it, it, it tends to move us or knock us off it's maybe some of the work that we want to be doing or perhaps you know, we should be doing. And so we spend a lot of time. In fact, it, it, back in our first cohort of Habits of Leadership, we asked um, the, the leaders who were present to survey um, their colleagues and ask them to choose adjectives to describe them using a technique called the Johari Window. And when we compiled all those results, we had, I think, 24, 25 leaders in in, in the cohort. The top three or four um, adjectives that we used to describe the cohort as a whole were things like organized, uh, helpful, kind. You know, all the words which are kind of really nice to hear and, um, you know, we, we're not making a case to to not be described as that. But the shadow side of that is that you might be seen as being too helpful, too kind. So you actually become... You know the, the 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 strategy, so to speak, and and what happens here long term is that you know people don't feel empowered to take ownership of their own work because they know if they leave it long enough, you'll do it. And so, one of the techniques or strategies that we kind of advocate for is taking more of a, a I guess a coaching approach where we sit with the person who's presented a, a challenge for us and we help n- them navigate their way through it until they come up with a, a tangible next step. Yeah, there's plenty of um, uh, resources and literature out there. And in fact, back in, I think maybe it was, I forget what episode, but it was one where we we're talking about what books we'd recommend. There's a book called The Coaching Habit by Michael Bungay Stanya and I recommend that book to basically everyone we work with if you're in a leadership position because it really challenges you to kind of do do less of other people's work and really, in a really supportive and really side-by-side nurturing way, hand back the accountability, hand back the ownership of these um, tasks and jobs that we we really need them to be doing.
0: It's uh, They're all good points there, Dan. I, I also want to add the idea that I think that One of the questions we're going to address in a little while is around difficult conversations and there's some research that suggests that people pleasing really makes it very difficult to have difficult conversations Um, because we're so used to acquiescing to people, giving them what it is that they want, we're not necessarily doing them, ourselves or the organisation any favours because when things get tricky... That's when we really need that ability for people to understand that yes isn't always the answer. Um, And, you know, those difficult conversations which will inevitably arise and often arise around people's sense of parity in the workplace as well. You know, if, if I'm considered to be a people pleaser, it's often seen as a weakness in a boss because it's that idea of acquiescing but it's also that idea that you can't please everybody. And by pleasing some, you're really going to potentially put noses out of joint of those who don't feel like they're in the, you know, inverted commas, in crowd as far as being able to make suggestions and be told yes, Mm. uh, which can cause you some real dramas as a leader.
1: Mm. Okay. Um, Our next question is from Christine. Uh, Christine's been a classroom teacher for over 15 years. And her question is... How can classroom teachers be leaders without formal titles? Tim?
0: Well, in considering this question, Christine, which I think is a really good question, uh, I think the really important thing for us to understand here that you are a leader already. Uh, Classroom teachers are leading large groups of students on a daily basis, and this obviously has broader applicability outside the classroom as well. It might be whichever group that you're working with. Um, and one of the things that we really need to consider here is the idea that leadership has nothing to do with the title. Leadership is a behaviour. And when we consider, you know, what the attributes of a good leader are, we need to think about how we're going to demonstrate Mm -hmm. those, how we're going to live those um, and the impact that that's going to have on the people around us. I think sometimes in education we can get caught up a little bit with titles um, but really it's behaviours that people notice and if those behaviours are those of a leader um, then that's that's going to say a lot more about us than the title that's on our door or the bottom of our email.
1: Mm. I mean I think one of the ways that um, teachers, classroom teachers can be seen as leaders, if you think about, as you say, the, the, the attributes, you know, are you... Influencing um, other people in any way, you influencing people or inspiring them to towards the common goal of whatever you know, education is and whatever that means for you in your particular context. Are you someone who is you know perhaps a role model um, within the school without, as as Tim says, without the uh, uh, the email signature? Uh, I'm sure we can all think of people who have got the, got the email signature but not got the attributes. So if we sort of park the idea that you need to be bestowed with a leadership title and think okay well how can i role model how can i inspire others be that the kids the parents the staff you know what are some of the things we can do and i think to be honest one of the the best things we can do is just get out there and share you know not be um, secretive I mean, it, as as most people listening to the podcast would know everyone on the cutthrough team has a has a background in education so we're well aware of in in some Schools in particular, it can be very, very siloed. You can feel like you're kind of, you know, it, it, you're on your own. It's your own little world, which, to be honest, in, in, in some ways might be a good thing. But it also, it, it can be a challenge sometimes to break down those silos. It can break down those um, those boundaries and, and and share what's going on. Uh, within your classroom and and not just from a point of view of saying hey look look at what I'm doing it's amazing actually sh- just sharing from a, a non-judgmental standpoint of what you're doing and, and perhaps what you're learning what does work what doesn't work and how we can uh, I guess collate and curate different sorts of data for want of a better word or evidence of what's happening um, in our teaching you know some of um really interesting initiatives of, of the past few years that I've um, not only seen but also been a part of is uh, something called the Teach Me uh, movement, which is where typically teachers from all different sectors, from you know the public, the Catholic, the independent sector, they essentially get together um, either at a school or they can in a pub or um, as part of another event, like a big conference, they set a, find a, a side place and um, they essentially share Uh, what they do, what they've learned, and they do it in a really short, sharp way. You basically get seven minutes or perhaps even just two minutes to share a critical point. And the idea is that there's no um, secrecy, there's no shiny, you know, fads. We're not selling anything. We're just talking about teaching. And what I found that's quite interesting as a result of the Teach Me movement, is that a lot of teachers in schools know more about what's going on in the school down the road than they know what's going on in the classroom down the corridor and so my i guess my advice if you want to be a leader it, as a teacher is kind of like do organize a teach meet in your own school and if you're in a you know whatever your setting a k to 12 school i bet there's lots that the year 11 teachers can learn from the kindy teachers and and vice versa so Thinking about how we can share our knowledge, our skills, do we only mentor or or coach people if that's a title we're given, or or can we just, you know, have those kind of conversations and those kind of interactions on a more daily basis?
0: I think that's absolutely right, and I think if we can, um, as teachers, we all have our own passions and interests, and where those are specifically helpful to other teachers within the school environment If you can follow those passions and interests do your own research uh, go to your own uh, in servicing opportunities or whatever it happens to be Uh, for example art teachers might be really interested in uh, following opportunities through galleries or museums and then coming back and behaving in a leaderly way to share that information with other staff members and really show those attributes of leadership, and I think as Dan started to allude to there, start to enable opportunities for your colleagues as well, which I think is 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 a real characteristic of a good leader, mm. uh, enabling others and really getting underneath and supporting others, particularly Being like an advocate or yeah yeah, 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 or a mentor or a coach yeah. for particularly for newer teachers. And mm. uh, but I, I I go back to my initial point that um, you know. How can you lead without a formal title? You really are a leader um, and probably for the most important people in your school, which is the 25 students who are in your care at any given time. Mm. Cool. So, Dan, uh, let's have a look at another question here. We've got one here from Steve who said that he'd love ways to learn effective communication and how to go about having difficult conversations with colleagues. We alluded Uh, to this. I alluded to this a couple of minutes ago. Uh, We've done some work on a previous episode, episode mm. one, uh, which people might like to go back to in relation to this. But what are some of your tips and thoughts and ideas here? Yeah,
1: top tips for difficult conversations. Everywhere we go to, people want to have these. And um, it's interesting because, again, it, as, as you said, it, it alludes back to a whole heap of things, you know, your, your own personality. Are you a people pleaser? If you're a people pleaser, then... You don't want to displease people, right? If you um if you've always tried to avoid confrontation throughout your life, then difficult conversations are often framed in a in a confrontational manner. So we we often try and navigate our way through our day and through our workplace, trying to avoid these difficult conversations. And as to as you mentioned, Tim, you know, back in episode one, our very first episode, which happened to be a QA session. We spoke about um, just some of the tips that we, we regularly share. And they are things like, uh, so I'd recommend you go back and have a listen to that episode first and foremost. But just um, a couple of, or three of the things that we we typically think about is if if you know that you're having or you, know, you have a difficult conversation coming up, I think the first thing to uh, really try and, and make sure we don't do, so this is a, probably a list of things not to do rather than a list of things to do, First thing to probably not do is think you have to win that conversation. So going into it, thinking it's a confrontation and thinking that, you know, I have to win. I have to prove my point. I have to make them see that they're in the wrong and they need to pull up their socks. Because by definition, if we, if we have a winner of that conversation, you're going to end up with a loser of that conversation. And whilst they might say the right things in the moment, a loser typically doesn't feel like stepping up to the plate and doing what needs to be done. So the first tip is trying to make sure that we uh, don't try and win the conversation. The second um, thing not to do is try and uh, or or pretend or think we know what the other person is thinking. You know, so we might have seen a whole heap of behaviors that we're not particularly um, impressed with or or need need speaking about. And typically, it's a common thing to try and... uh, um, a- attribute kind of intention to, to their behaviors. Oh, they're doing this because, and you know, they've got it in for me, or they're trying to white ant me, or whatever. So, we want to try and going into this conversation, try and be as open and as, uh, yeah, open is probably the best word to, to, to learning. We want to go into it more with a mindset of learning about the other person and that situation rather than thinking we know uh, what they're thinking and their intentions are and then trying to, you know, make them the loser to win the conversation and the third thing is uh try not to over script try not to um you know really plan out exactly what it is um you know how the how the conversation is going to pan out because i think we said back in episode one scripts work really well um for a play and they work really well when everybody's read the script but when it's not a play when it's a difficult conversation and the other party hasn't read the script, it really is a bit of a waste of time. So we, we actually do talk about, back in episode one, about a way to script your opening stanza, so to speak, your your opening to the conversation, but then more it's a bit of, it's a more of a mindset of learning and of, of empathy and trying to really understand where they're at so then we can move forward together side by side. So there's some of the things, what not to do. One of the other things that um, we recognise a lot in our work is that, we would probably have less difficult conversations if we had more adult conversations so what i mean by that is let's say um you're a leader and i don't know you pick up something that, that you, there's like a in, in in a meeting um you see somebody's body language just isn't quite right or you see the way or you hear the way they kind of uh, fob someone off or you might see or hear somebody engaging in, you know, office gossip or blaming somebody else for something, or you might see someone rocking constantly, rocking up, you know, five, ten minutes late, whatever it is. There's a really cool um, resource which we're going to put in the show notes called the Accountability Dial, and it's the work of uh, an author and a researcher called Jonathan Raymond. And what he talks about is basically having almost like this mental map, a dial in your mind i saying okay well what's my role here as the leader if I see somebody you know gossiping about a work colleague or if I um if someone you know is is coming late and it's not just the once every you know six months it's, it's actually a bit of a it's starting to become a thing he talks about how you can turn the dial up of accountability and this really resonates with um a conversation I had back with Michael Bungay-Stanier in an earlier episode where this idea of that a leader has to hold other people to account. It, no, accountability is something that the individual should hold themselves to and the leader has to just be able to draw attention back to them and, and, and help them become aware of some of these things because wh- one of the biggest contributors to difficult conversations or workplace conflicts is basically differences of expectations. You know, So when we say, okay, we're going to kick off at nine o'clock, What's the expectation? We said we're kicking off at nine o'clock, but you know what? Well, we never really kick off till ten past nine. So I'll rock up at ten past nine because that's and and because these things aren't really clear, you know, it, it just becomes a thing. And then all of a sudden, you've got to sit them down. You'll know, talk about timekeeping, and people have missed. They didn't know it from from the start. So in Jonathan Raymond's work, he talks about well, if you see something like that, the first thing to do is, and it sounds really simple, but just mention it. So it's not a difficult conversation. You literally just mention it. You pull him aside and you say, I just noticed that you were five minutes late there. And he wants, he he suggests that you need to do this. It's a bit like giving feedback of any type. You need to do it in a really timely fashion. There's no point speaking to him two weeks after the fact because everyone's forgotten and you most likely will as well. But in the moment, hey, I noticed you are five minutes late there. Now, for most people, and let's be clear, most people don't go to work trying to do a crappy job. So for most people, the mention is all that it takes. The irony, of course, is that most leaders don't do the mention because we want to be people pleasers and we, don't, we want to avoid confrontation. So having the mention, he then says, well, if, what happens if that's not enough? Well, then he, Raymond suggests, okay, so you, you, you're on dial, if you imagine you're on the dial, that was level one. If the behavior continues, you just ratchet it up to level two. And in level two, you basically go there and straight away, you just give them, it's, it's almost like a, a, a mention times two, so to speak. So you say, hey, you know, last week I mentioned this to you. Well, I've noticed you did it here and you did it there again. I just want you to be aware that I've, I've noticed that. And then you invite them. You say, is there anything I can help you with? Is everything Okay. Which again is a very different way than pulling someone over the coals, but it's a you know so you say say hey, you know I know I mentioned it last week that you were late. I've I've seen that you you know you, you, you're struggling to make it on time again on Wednesday and Friday. Is everything okay? And that's an incredibly powerful question to ask a colleague who may well have a lot of drama going on. It also if they if they don't have a lot of drama going on, it gives them the opportunity just to once again recalibrate before we then move to the next the next level. What I'm going to do, as I said, is we'll put the um, we'll put the, the 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 accountability dial in the uh, in the show notes and have a look because basically you ratchet it up from there. But I honestly believe that if most leaders don't think of op- of level one and level two, and if we did, if we just had those adult conversations from coming from a caring perspective, I I can't guarantee, but I can almost guarantee you'd have a lot less difficult conversations.
0: It's a very interesting one, that one, isn't it, Dan? Because you don't want to be nitpicky. You know, you don't necessarily, it's not with every employee that you would necessarily necessarily pick them up and say, I noticed you were five minutes late Mm. today. Um, But finding the way to have those conversations in the most appropriate way with each of your employees or the people you're working with uh, and showing that empathy. You know, Mm. I, I think back to my own teaching career, for example, and think, well, if I was spoken to in that way, I've noticed this, I've mentioned it, I've noticed it, I've mentioned it couple of times now how are you going Mm. when you you know and our next question is around empathy and when you show that sort of empathy for an employee or someone you're working alongside uh, I would imagine that it's less likely that you're going to have to have too many difficult conversations and in the end we all know that difficult conversations they're called difficult for a reason right and so we're going to try and reduce the number we have to have Mm by having better conversations along the
1: way. Yeah, and if we can change the dynamic from it being a confrontation, I'm not picking this up because it's a disciplinary issue. I'm picking this up because I'm I'm now actually starting to think there might be something bigger at play. Mm-hmm. Is there anything I can do for you? And it serves two purposes because as I said, if there is something, then it's inherent on the leader to support in whatever way they can. And if there isn't anything bigger at play, it once again it just is that little drop, you know, that little reminder. So yeah, it's, it, look, it's a really interesting um, resource, and there's a whole whole, uh, whole heap of stuff that uh, Jonathan Raymond's put out there, and I'd certainly urge you to um, engage with that. Our final question is for you, Tim, um, and this is actually from a group of executive um, educators. They're actually um, as part of our, they're actually an engaging in our Habits of Leadership online program. And they've um, thrown a few questions at us, but just in this episode, we're going to just pick on, on one of them and we'll uh, revisit perhaps some of their other questions in, in future episodes. But they'd like to know, and as you said just before, there it kind of um, touches in on what we've just mentioned how do we build empathy? Within the team of teachers we supervise. And I think we could probably extrapolate this for managers in any organization or coaches of teams. You know, how do we build empathy within the team of people we supervise?
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting question and I think it's a very valuable one, as Dan says, whether you're in the education sphere or elsewhere. Empathy is that ability to understand life from someone else's perspective and to to think um, with consideration about what is affecting somebody else. It requires us to get outside of ourselves. And I think because this question does come from an education context, I'd like to posit that we as educators are, you know, if we're not then we should be experts of this in our own classrooms and understanding where our students are coming from helps us enormously with how to take them to where we want them to get to. Uh, it's it's essential that we understand our students. One of the ways that uh, we work around this, uh, and a lot of work we do with actu- actually with school kids, is to share some of our own story, um, whether that's with kids, whether that's with our colleagues in a teaching environment or, or elsewhere. Sharing some of your own story is usually a really great technique for helping to build empathy because that opens the door for people to feel that they are part of a tribe and that they can start to share some of their story and through understanding each other's stories. And, you know, um, there was a really great article, which we'll put in the show notes as well, in the Harvard Business Review um, by Daniel Goleman, who we probably have all heard of and know as um, the sort of the father of emotional intelligence, in an article that he wrote for the Harvard Business Review entitled What Makes a Leader? he talks about uh, workplaces uh, as cauldrons of bubbling emotions Uh, and I think that's a really great way of looking at this and understanding that people's behaviours are driven by what's going on for them. And to be able to empathise with that, to be able to start to open those doors and allow people to share, not in an indulgent way, and I really want to emphasise that because this isn't...
1: <laughs> this isn't showing you slides of your Caribbean holiday. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: and nor is it about people having to air their laundry about everything, you know. But this is about <laughs> being aware that in certain situations people's circumstances change and that we need to be aware of that in order to be able to work with them in the best possible way. Um Dan and I particularly enjoyed an episode of Coaching for Leaders, the podcast, and it was episode 363. And uh, that's Dave Stahoviak's um, podcast. And in that uh, podcast, which was titled, uh, in fact, it was named after a book uh, written by Ed Shine and his son Peter uh, called The Path of Humble Leadership. Uh, and they talk in that um, podcast episode about this concept of personizing. And it's about really uh, understanding who your people are so that you can work with them in the best possible way so that they feel genuinely understood and listened to and valued. Um, Another little uh, resource that might be helpful for you here, there was a a project that came out of the Harvard Graduate School of Education called Making Caring Common. Uh, And in that, they really emphasise the idea and skills of somebody who is empathetic by nature and the value that has, whether you're in a school, whether you're in a, a corporation, wherever you are, in your own family situation, to really value understanding uh, where people are coming from in order to get the best out of them.
1: Mm. I think one of the um, uh, activities, if you call it... Yeah, it's an activity. One of the activities we run if we're working with teams sometimes is um, the, we call it the Heroes, Highlights and Hurdles uh, activity where you know we, we basically share... Um, who our hero is, and this sounds—I know it already—it sounds a little bit out there and a little bit wishy-washy. But you share it that you know one of the hero, who your hero is. You share a highlight from your life, and then also a hurdle that you've um, had to overcome. And what that does is it really does bring groups closer together. We've never had an instance where um, it hasn't. I mean, sometimes it's incredibly powerful. Other times it's somewhat. Um, maybe a little superficial, but the, there is always an element of, oh wow, I didn't know that about you. Um, and, and that um, that phenomenon of, of not knowing stuff about people, I mean, you know, we talk about trust of being a, like a central pillar of leadership and of organizations and of psychological safety. It's really hard to trust people who you don't know and you don't understand. So, We'd really encourage, you know, whether it's something as as uh, obvious as doing, hey, guys, we're going to sit down and share your heroes, <laughs> you know, highlights and and, and hurdles, or um, devoting even if it's just I don't know, three or four minutes at the start of a meeting of just saying, so what's been happening? What's been going on? What are your plans for the weekend? Just so you can start understanding. And this is particularly good, I think, for new groups and new teams um, uh, you know, whether it's a new leader or people coming in from from the outside, uh, it's it's really important to try and um, develop that as as you know as you mentioned, Tim, this idea of personalizing And there is, you know, we're not talking about personalizing, but the idea of putting the person back at the centre of what we do. And I, I just want to share um, a, a reflection that um, a, a teacher in, uh, that I was working with recently um, said. He, um, she said you know what, everything you're telling us um, about, you know, sharing and getting to know each other, it's almost like that's the complete opposite of what we've been told we need to do as a leader. And I said, so what do you mean by that? And she said, well, so often we've been told you need boundaries and you need to, um, you know, make sure there's a professional distance and the, it was all about, you know, almost like creating this artificial kind of hierarchy or this artificial again silo of I'm the leader, you're the workforce, um, and 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 that's it. Now, whilst obviously I'm as as you mentioned, Tim, we're not going in warts and all, sharing everything, but it's a bit like the advice that new teachers get sometimes where they say, you know, don't, don't smile until the end of term one, which I don't think anyone's ever actually meaning that literally, but by planting that seed that, you know, we can't be human and we can't be people. I think we miss a lot.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, you know, as, as some of the listeners know, I've I've been a, a lecturer in education for most of the last 10 years. And, and certainly a lot of students are told that don't, don't, tell the students anything about yourself don't give anything away don't tell them you've got a partner or children or you know what sort of car you drive or anything you know and and i think you end up losing so much because as dan referred to there with trust and psychological safety the trust is a two-way street you know there needs to be some give and take and if the if the kids that you're working with, if the adults that you're working with, whoever it is that you're working with, uh, if they have some sense of who you are as a genuine person, um, then that that allows them to feel that sense of safety and to share some of their own story. And uh, you really get to know each other on a very different level. And I, th- I think it really allows people to bring the best out of uh, each other when, when that is the case. Yep. Cool.
1: Well that is it for this episode. Um, as I said we've got heaps of questions that we'll certainly try and address in uh, future episodes but if you found uh, this episode worthwhile then make sure you do check out the resources that we put in the show notes and of course please make sure that you share this with your networks and like it wherever you get your podcast, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, comment, subscribe. Currently, we're sitting, I don't know, somewhere in the top 10 of management podcasts in, um, in Australia on Apple uh, Podcasts. So it would be great if we could take out number one. Not that we're in it for the, uh, for the glory, of course. But oh, yes, we are. <laughs> But feel free, of course, also to head over to the Habits of Leadership dot com page so that's habitsofleadership.com click on the podcast page and you can hear and see all You can hear all the previous episodes as well as submit questions insights maybe even suggestions for guests for future episodes or if you yourself would like to be a guest on an upcoming show then drop us a line at habitsofleadership.com but until next time thank you very much tim and take care take it easy